0: Hello, and welcome to this FRDH podcast. I'm Michael Goldfarb. Sometimes current events just raise questions. The recent independence votes in Iraqi Kurdistan and Catalonia are an example. The votes have created a catechism without clear answers on the subject of nationhood. What is a nation? What is a nation-state? Is it the same as a country? Are a people or a tribe the same thing as a nation? What does national sovereignty really mean? These are the key questions for our globalized 21st century. What is a nation? Is it something you die for, get murdered for? Is it something that can make you clinically insane, incapable of seeing reality? Is a nation something that can be created by treaty or politics? What does the birth of a nation look like? What does it smell like when it dies? What is a nation? This isn't a seminar question or the title of a think tank paper. In Catalonia, Kurdistan, and Scotland, and other places, people have taken great risks to ask the question and vote on the answer. It's a question that has framed my career as a journalist and author. If you grew up in America, in the middle of the 20th century, as I did, these are not questions that crossed your mind too often. Fixed, eternal, imminent. That was America. One nation under God, we said as we pledged our allegiance to a symbol of this nation, the flag, every morning. One nation today. Does America feel like one nation? When the Soviet Union collapsed overnight, the nations I had learned about on maps growing up disappeared. Fifteen countries emerged out of the USSR alone. The Soviet Union's European satellites redefined their nationhood overnight. In the space of three years, the German Democratic Republic was effectively purchased by the German Federal Republic. Czechoslovakia became two nations created out of negotiation. Yugoslavia became seven nations brought forth upon this earth in bloodshed. My career in hard news coincided with the collapse of the USSR. My job was to report on how and why nations were demanding to become nation states against all odds. I began to ask myself over and over again, what is this thing called a nation? This wasn't a Talmudic inquiry for its own sake. Why did I think the Kurds were a nation and Northern Ireland's Protestants were not? When I reported from their territories, Kurds and Ulstermen repeatedly told me, this is my country. But their countries did not exist on the map of the world. Finding an answer to the question became important to me. The easy answer is derived from a knowledge of modern imperial history. Kurdistan and Yugoslavia's borders were fixed in the carve-up of the defeated Ottoman and Austro-Hungarian empires at the end of World War I. They had very little to do with national aspirations. They were held in place by the post-World War II carve-up of the empires that were involved in the post-World War I carve-up. The two new imperial powers, the U.S. and Soviet Union, maintained the borders because it was in their interest to do so. But then the Soviet Union disintegrated, taking with it the easy definition of nation. Then the established nations of the West began to vociferate following the crash of 2007-2008, culminating in the current crisis in Catalonia. That crisis begins with events in Britain Brexit is at its heart an argument about modern concepts of nationhood. But before Brexit, there was already trouble brewing in the UK. The 300-year-old Treaty of Union between England and Scotland came under pressure as the Scottish Nationalist Party, long an afterthought in British politics, came to power on the back of the crash and the cack-handed economic response of Labour and Tory governments to it. And it's worth noting for just a second the analogy between the collapse of the economic system called communism, inspiring the revival of old nationalisms, and the collapse of the economic system called capitalism, inspiring a further revival of old nationalisms. In 2014, a referendum on Scottish independence was held on the question, should Scotland be an independent country, yes or no? The no's had it. But that wasn't the end of the story, because in acknowledging Scottish national aspirations in this way, English nationalism was aroused. In 2016, British Prime Minister David Cameron, having silenced one argument via referendum, decided to silence the endless arguments within his own Conservative Party by offering a vote on Britain's continued membership in the EU, should the United Kingdom remain a member of the European Union or leave the European Union. That was the question. The argument against continued membership of the EU was made in terms of national sovereignty. It was not a new argument. As the Union slowly marches towards a federal future, the UK has always balked at joining the process. In Margaret Thatcher's view, a federal Europe meant the end of Britain's independence as a nation. Britain, because of its size and importance within the EU, was able to opt out of the foundational arrangements of this federal Europe. The Schengen Agreement, which allows free travel over national borders, as well as the single currency, the euro. But even with the opt-outs, the fears about loss of sovereignty have done to the normally pragmatic Tory mind what fear does to most minds, made them irrational. The EU gave very pointed reminders to Scots that if they voted to leave the UK, they would not be admitted to the EU and could not use the euro as its currency. No greater endorsement of U.K. sovereignty could have been imagined. That fact was ignored. If we leave the EU, we could be a nation again, the Brexiteers, overwhelmingly English, exulted, as if being out of Schengen, not in the Euro, and having the EU powerfully intervene in the Scottish independence question had ever threatened England or the rest of Britain. Quite the opposite. But as I said, fear makes people crazy. Anyway, Brexit was a powerful pitch, When the votes were counted, 53% of English voters opted to leave, 62% of Scots voted to remain. Two very distinct expressions of national will, but only one is being acted on. All politics is local, of course, but I wonder how much the Catalonia vote owes to these earlier referenda in the UK. Did Carles Puigdemont, leader of the Catalan Parliament, make a mistake in assuming that the precedent of peaceful voting in Britain on such contentious questions of nationhood in the 21st century meant Catalans could have their vote in a similarly respectful atmosphere? Didn't he know that an EU pledged to respect the sovereignty of its members would not intervene when the Spanish government, led by a party with roots in the Franco dictatorship, sent in the Guardia Seville to use no-holds-barred tactics to stop the vote? Puigdemont's decision to postpone the unilateral declaration of independence and seek negotiations demonstrate that he has found out the hard way. The Catalan crisis leads to more questions about nationhood. Can the dozens of nations that make up Western Europe hope to preserve their wealth and high living standards in a globalized economy without pooling their nationhood into something greater? What is the importance of a nation-state in a world whose economy is no longer organized on national lines, in an era where the loyalties of global elites are to each other and not the lands of their birth? The beginnings of answers to these questions are actually quite old. Three hundred years ago, at another time of political and economic flux, a Polish nobleman was asked about his national identity. He responded, I am of the Polish nation, of the Lithuanian citizenship, of the Ruthenian people, and of Jewish origin. The answer anticipates the view of Albert Rivera, who leads a centrist party in Catalonia. Catalonia is my homeland, Spain is my country, and Europe is our future. Europe is a country that does not exist. Can it become a nation? That's one of the biggest questions of the 21st century. And that's all for this FRDH podcast. If you have any answers to these questions, I'd be very happy to hear about them. You can write me at the website, www.goldfarbpod.com. Visit the site anyway. You can hear more, lots more. And while you are there, you can make a donation to keep these podcasts coming. Thanks.